I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. In today's listener-requested podcast episode, my wife Erica and I talk about how to grow spiritually as a couple. some crazy stuff going on because of this quarantine business i actually went to a smoke shop the other day and you're not supposed to laugh yet i went to a smoke shop the other day and i discovered that it had been replaced by an apparel store clothes but no cigar <laughs> i still don't get it but, <laughs> but you laughed cute. anyway <laughs> so. oh thank you i appreciate that Hey everyone, welcome to episode 67. As you can see, I have another person on with me. Uh, It's my wife, Erica. Um, So you collectively, instead of Mana, you have Merica this week. And so for our second episode together, go back and listen to, I think is 29.1, our first episode we did together. So anyway, it's good to be with you all. We are in our uh, dining nook in our home. And so you might hear a cat or a refrigerator running or a baby (laughs) crying upstairs who we just put down. So um, just ignore it and pay attention to the words um, that we're sharing. But um, yeah, why don't we share Peak Pit Plug? Do you want to go first? No, you can go first. Okay, I'll go first. Okay. Um, My peak, which could have been a pit, but turned out to be a peak, was that I cut my own hair and it did not (laughs) go terribly. Um, So I can confirm that. Special shout out to Natalie for letting me FaceTime her panicking in the bathroom with my hair um and giving me sound advice but it turned out good so that was a peak um because it could have gone horribly wrong uh pit was today has been a day and not gonna get into it but just like a lot of quarantine related things happened and economic things and just a lot of weird news today so um and weird vibes so not about that but uh, my plug is that um, someone from my parish, Kenneth, shout out to you, Kenneth, I don't know if you listen to this, but he sent me this Bible in a nutshell lecture from this professor that he knows, and it, it's the entire timeline of scripture in 84 minutes, and this guy's given like, a, I think it's got to be a college level um, course or some kind of ministry training course, and it's a lot of stuff I've, I've heard before from my experience in ministry, but it's just so well done so articulate, so simple and to the point. And you get the whole beginning to end context story of scripture. So if I can find that link, I'm going to put it in the show notes for everyone because Lord knows you've got time at home to <laughs> listen to a little bit of the story of the Bible. So hopefully that's a benefit to you. What about you, babe? What's your peak pit plug? My peak, I think it's just been all the time we've got to spend together. It's just been really, really nice. Spending time with Hannah alone, spending time together with Hannah together, and then spending time alone, just the two of us, which is really nice. And I feel like at this point in the semester and the year for us is like crazy busy with all the stuff we have going on. So it's been really nice. My pit is like a happy pit. I'm like (laughs) 33 weeks pregnant and everything I do is uncomfortable (laughs) and I can't sleep and I'm hungry all the time and I'm hot all the time, but it's good. Like we're closing in on the end but i'm at the point where i'm ready to like do this thing you know my plug won't be shocking um so last year i made my 30 before 30 list and only had two things on it (laughs) (laughs) to juggle and to read all of jane austen's books (laughs) juggling 
check mark. You cannot juggle. For 10 seconds, I call it a win, okay. all right? Um, <laughs> but I did manage to get through my Jane Austen books. Almost. I'm on my last one, and that's my plug. Reen Jane Austen. She is awesome. Her characters are awesome. Plot's awesome. And again, you have time. What else are people doing? Yeah. So, And her books are free on like Kindle or Amazon or whatever. There you go. So not Done. a shocking recommendation from the English professor, but I knew, if you're into I that know, thing, I know. then go for it, you know? But that's it. <clears throat> Anyways, <laughs> speaking of being stuck at home, we wanted to do an, this episode. Um, this episode is actually a requested episode from our good friend Christian, uh, Christian Smith. Shout out to you uh, up in Arrowhead and the whole Smith Aww. clan and all of the peeps up at Our Lady of the Lake. Um, he's getting married and um, we wanted to offer this episode to him, to anyone who is um, preparing for marriage, who is married, especially now in this time that we're in, like you're going to be, you're locked at home face to face with your spouse <laughs> and maybe you haven't had this much face time with them and maybe things are coming to the surface that it might be good to kind of deal with now, maybe when you don't have access to a marriage and family therapist or something. So we will caveat this by saying we are not therapists, we are not counselors, so please don't take our advice with that level of uh, um, seriousness, but... Um, a lot of this stuff has been successful for us, for couples that we know. A lot of it is what we received in our own marriage preparation, um, which has made our marriage really centered on faith and on good things and, and uh, supporting one another. And also in um, doing NFP, natural family planning, and some of the conversations that we're um, meant and encouraged to have on a daily or weekly basis because of uh, types of conversations because of that. So. Um, this is for all those different reasons. And if you're listening to this thinking like, well, I'm single, so I'm just going to turn this off. No, because you can apply this to a lot of your different friendships, your future relationships, your relationship with Jesus, and also thinking about like all the different areas and facets of your life and who you are that makes up a whole person. We're going to talk about a lot of different facets of relationships in general and how to have conversations about those. So it's, I think it's just super useful to have. And so if you want to listen to other episodes like this, we might refer to things very briefly that you want some more information on. Go back and listen to, we have an episode on dating, which is episode four. The fourth episode we ever did was on dating. Um, we did an, uh, our marriage episodes. Yours and mine was 29.1 and Jen and Tony's was 29.2, which are some of our, two of our highest uh, uh, trafficked episodes. Really? People listen to those two more than any other one and our first episode. Wow. Um, but yeah. And then episodes 31 and 32. 31 is on natural family planning if you're curious as to what that is, which we'll talk about a little bit here. And then episode 32 is on dating fasts. And so if you have an unhelpful uh, relationship with relationships and you're not in a marriage <laughs> just yet and you want to restart and reboot and get your uh, feet flat on the ground again, go listen to that episode. But that all being said, um, being at home, sheltering in place with your spouse, recognizing um, maybe there are difficulties, maybe our marriage um, needs to refocus and recenter around something positive and fruitful, and hopefully that is your spiritual life and your relationship with Jesus. And so um, what are our roles and responsibilities to each other as husband and wife, especially looking at our marriage within um, a Christian context? And so if we look at God, God is a trinity. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we traditionally understand their roles in relationship to each other as lover, beloved, and the love in between them. So God is the lover who so loved the world that he gave his only beloved, only begotten son. Jesus is the beloved 
who is loved by the Father perfectly, and the love between them is so strong, it is born into the person of the Holy Spirit. But all of them have always existed. They've always been um, three persons, um, always existing three ways in which God interacts with us simultaneously. Um, But that model is really what it looks like to have a Christian marriage. There is the lover who is the husband, you know, the head of the house, but not in a uh, patriarchal and like you must obey me type of way, but in uh, a way that, you know, he leads out of that position of being the lover and shows the example of what it means to love sacrificially. And then the wife is the beloved. She receives that love and reciprocates it back to the husband. And that love between them is so strong and so uh, manifest that nine months later, you name it. And that, you know, is the fruitfulness of their love. Um, And so... Our relationship models um, God. And, you know, the Bible begins with marriage. It begins with Adam and Eve. It ends with marriage, the wedding feast of the Lamb. And it has marriage sprinkled all throughout it. Jesus' first public uh, miracle and the first opening of his public ministry in the Gospel of John, I think chapter 2, is the wedding at Cana. And so marital imagery and wedding is, the idea of a wedding is sprinkled all throughout the Bible as the example of, of who God is and how we're meant to be in relationship with God. And our earthly marriages are meant to reflect that, illuminate that, and be centered on that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Cool. I'm taking it in. So it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, this is a reading from our wedding, actually. I think it was the oh. one of the readings. Of, or maybe not. No, I think it was. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't remember. Where, I'm pretty sure. Where one <laughs> alone can be overcome, two together can resist. A three-ply cord is not easily broken. So I'm going to read that again. Where one alone may be overcome. So if someone's by themselves, they can be overcome by some kind of darkness or attack. Two together can resist. So if you're, there's two of you, that's better. And then a three-ply cord is not easily broken. And so in this verse, there's this progression, this understanding that by ourselves, we are solitary. Um, we are um, unable to even have things like faith. It says that in the catechism, that no one can have faith on their own, that we need to be in a community of faith to really understand relationship with Jesus. Um, However, three in one is a cord that is not easily broken. And that's how we can interpret this passage to be an understanding of relationship when it comes to marriage, is that a real marriage is not husband and wife. It's husband and wife intertwined in common pursuit of the third person, which is Jesus. That he is integrated and intertwined into our entire relationship. So, um, as we see elsewhere in scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. Um, for how, this is weird verbiage. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? And so it's another instance where Paul is pointing out, like, you are not each other's salvation. You are not each other's Messiah. Um, It is all about being centered on Jesus. And so that comes brought about. I love the language that's used in the catechism. This is from canon law, uh, the canon law about marriage. This is what marriage is meant to be. It says this in the catechism, paragraph 1601. The matrimonial covenant by which a man and a woman establish between themselves a partnership of the whole of life is by its nature ordered toward the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring. This covenant between baptized persons has been raised by Christ the Lord to the dignity of a sacrament. But I love that phrase. Um, They establish between themselves a partnership of the whole of life. From that moment until death, all looking toward death as that moment when 
we are going to be going into our eternal relationship with God, who is the most truest embodiment of what we're meant to personify in our marriage. So all of our marriage is really a preparation for that. How are we leading one another and and running collectively toward Jesus? And I've shared this many times on the podcast before, my favorite advice about dating and marriage, run as fast as you can toward Jesus. And if someone else catches up, stop and introduce yourself. So all of that kind of has to do with, that's the image of what a Christian relationship looks like. Cool. I like it. Any thoughts? Well, I really like that last thing that you just pointed out, like that partnership kind of aspect of it, because I think we often, I don't know, especially in the world we live in, get nervous about like, oh, is like the husband's supposed to be the leader and he's going to tell you what to do and the wife's going to be subordinate and just stay home. And it's, that's not it. And that's not the like teaching. And there's gifts that we both have that we bring to the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think gifts change and evolve and it's important as a married couple to see that and to encourage one another throughout your relationship yes yeah because we were not the same people 10 years ago when we had our first date at starbucks yeah. right and if we wanted to be those people that's not like i don't know that wouldn't be successful so again kind of being that partner and moving forward yeah Yeah, and there are Catholic people or people who say things in the name of Catholicism that do interpret marriage in a very traditional and very patriarchal sense using church documents and using older church teachings to um, uh, give evidence for it, but they they isolate them, they read those things out of context or misinterpret them, and they don't read later statements from later church documents that are much more recent about those same issues. And so Mm -hmm. it is not a teaching of the church that the man has to be Um, the one who's dominant and tells everyone what to do. And then the woman just has to be subservient and listen and has to stay at home with the kids and she's not allowed to work. Um, There's been a lot of conversation about that, you know, not so recently, but, you know, a few months ago there was. Um, That is not an accurate interpretation of current church documents. And a a lot of people who believe that kind of decide to interpret like the documents they really love that are older from the Mm -hmm. popes they really love as true. And then everything else later, because it didn't go back and say, well, that's not true anymore Mm -hmm. that must still be true yeah but it they give permissions and allowances and they expand that idea of like yeah based on your current state of life and the culture and what your family needs and within reason you can do all these other things now that never would have really been part of the culture before like world war ii when women had to start going to work more frequently so it's just kind of it's an it's an um an uneducated and non-scholarly uh narrow interpretation of church documents and teachings um, that you really don't see even borne out in um, the early uh, church documents and even in scripture. Mm. You see this in um, um, in First Peter, for instance, the book of First Peter. We're going to be reading First Peter as our second readings on Sundays for a while. And First Peter has this um, encouragement from Peter at one point in it to the church in Asia Minor that's Rome-occupied and being persecuted by Roman rule and Roman kind of culture. That in Roman culture, the household, that's how it was. What the man said went, you kind of worshipped to the husband as a god, and he was like a little Mm. Caesar, and Caesar was a little god, and it was just this whole like... I mean, if you think patriarch is a problem now, like go back and read (laughs) about freaking, you know, what they're dealing with there in Asia Minor. And so Peter presents this... um, 
teaching that like, no, you know, Christian husbands are meant to love their wives in such a, in, in such a way that they see themselves as, as partners, as mm-hmm. equals in that love. And there's no dominance there, um, especially if that husband is Christian, is a baptized Christian. And he even offers advice for like, well, if your husband is Roman, like here's how you can see Christ's role within your marriage and how to bring that into the fold without disrupting and endangering your own life and disrupting this whole culture that they're, you know, bicultural reality of your household. And so, but we even see encouragement to like move away from that in scripture in the first century. And so um, that's obviously not what Jesus wanted for us. There's this famous passage from, I think, Ephesians chapter five, where it says, wives submit to your husbands. Um, and Pope John Paul II, when he was talking about theology of the body in his Wednesday audiences for five years when he was Pope, he unpacked that and said, like, well, what does it mean to submit? Submission means to be under the mission of the husband. What is the mission's husband? It's to serve the wife. Hmm. And so if a wife submits to her husband, what that means is she allows the husband to serve her. So, hmm. Did I say that right? Yeah. yeah. And so, um, and if you read that passage contextually with what's around it, it says, husbands, you are also meant to lay down your lives for your wives as, as Christ right. laid down his life for the church. And so it's not this domineering thing. It's this love of self-sacrifice. But we see words now in our modern context like submit and we subordinate. see words like head of household or mm-hmm. subordinate. And we think like, oh, here comes the patriarchy again because yeah. of everything that we've <laughs> been taught about how to like tisk tisk those words. And it's really not what's being talked about. And so, yes, the man is the spiritual head of the household, but the head is, su- is supported by the body. And I think it's in, you know, uh, my big fat Greek wedding where it's like the, the, the husband's the head, but the wife is the neck or whatever yes. is what someone says. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a reciprocal and interdependent relationship, um, and that has to do more with like spiritual leadership. That it's up to the the man in the house to be the spiritual leader, but you cannot be solely dependent on one person in the relationship. Right. And so this is the point I want to make with all of this beginning stuff, and then we're going to get into some really practical stuff. Is that this is a partnership, and so the pursuit of Jesus needs to be by both of you. And now you may not be there. One person may not be ready. They may not even be Catholic or even Christian. Um, but that needs to be something that at least both of you are open to and you are encouraging of the other one to pursue. Mm -hmm. It may be uneven at first, but as you grow together over the years, you have a whole lifetime to pursue this together. It should eventually get to a point where, you know, you don't always have to be the one that's spiritually on that the other person can then come in and encourage you and lead you back to the Lord. I was also going to say, I think those roles change as time changes, like, um, and to allow that to be okay. Sometimes mm-hmm. you might have to lead spiritually, but sometimes maybe I have to do that for a little bit because you're going through whatever, yeah. or, you know? Maybe Jesus and I are in a fight and I just don't want to talk to him and I can't <laughs> let that affect the whole family. And you can come in and be like, exactly. all right, you need to... Exactly. Or, I don't, that was, but yeah. that, that puts a lot of pressure on you to always <clears throat> feel spiritually like a warrior 24 seven or mm-hmm. like for the rest of our lives when again going back to that partnership idea you've got to be able to work together on that yes yeah and so i think the image when you hear that the the man is meant to be the spiritual head of the household to recognize that head is one of leadership and that our example in jesus is servant leadership it's about sacrificing mm. and serving your family and so this doesn't mean you always have to be the one that's on encouraging leading the forge saying we got to pray rosary but you are the one who is always willing in the spiritual realm and in the practicalities of life to lay down your life for your family and be willing to do whatever it takes to get them to heaven uh, to proclaim the gospel to them you know the the beginnings of the church are at home 
You know, mm-hmm. the, ch- the home is called the domestic church. And right now, being quarantined, we are living, we're going to mass in the domestic church every day, every week. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't have connection, at least in our part of the world. I don't know where you're listening. I know we have people all over the world who listen to this. Um, but, you know, I don't know what it's like where you are. But primarily, I know our listeners are in America and we're all, you know, right now quarantined. And yeah. so we're being forced to kind of look at that reality and determine like, is our relationship really uh, with God really one-sided in the marriage? Like one person dominates it? Or is it also really dependent on where we go, the motions we go through, mm-hmm. the sacramentalization of our faith? Or is it really a relationship with Jesus that's being pursued by the family collectively? Yes. You know, And so that I think is the real, um, the real accurate interpretation of what it means that the father is this, or the man is the spiritual head of the household and of the marriage that he, in the person of Christ... Just as Christ led and laid down his life for the church, the husband is willing to do also. Mm-hmm. And so I heard it once said that like funerals are about life, but marriages are about death. You know, funerals we celebrate <laughs> at funerals we celebrate the life of someone, but at marriages we really celebrate the death of two people. They're dying to the world and to the things that they would have done with their lives had they remained single. They're setting that aside and they are almost raising, you know, resurrecting anew as one flesh. You know, there's a lot of resurrection imagery there. So I was just thinking about like 23 year old me, like really processing that. Like, I don't think I could have really like, you know, like that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary yeah. even now thinking about it. Yeah. But we do it. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. And we yeah. don't, Eric and I don't fulfill this perfectly. <laughs> I know we're talking about the theology behind yeah. marriage at the moment. Uh, we'll get into the practicalities in just one second. But um, I think the other thing I want to say before we get into that is um, if the man is a spiritual head of the house, then if darkness and evil is and spiritual warfare is going to attack your family, it's most likely to go through the man. Hmm. It's most likely to go through the husband because demons and the devil are very legalistic. They were created as part of the natural order and they have to obey that natural order. It's part of their nature. And so Jesus himself set up a natural order of the family to be the cornerstone and building block of society and modeled husband and wife and family relationships after his own self-sacrificial nature to the church. And so if we're going to be under attack, very likely it can usually come through the husband. And so that's part of the reason why we have to kind of take ownership of that role not because we want to be domineering and um, have everyone be subordinate to us, but we have to recognize the importance of the fact that we are kind of the gatekeeper. We can either open that door to the good or we can uh, let that door stay loose in a jar for whatever darkness wants to come in. And so we just have to be aware of that. So men, this doesn't mean that you have to be perfect and that you have to be on spiritually all the time. But it means, I think, that we need to be willing to take ownership of our role and to look to Jesus as the example and really, I think, ask him, immediately and say like, God, I'm never going to be able to fulfill this role perfectly. And so I need you to do this for me. I need you to help me in my weakness as a man, as a father, as a husband, and to elevate me to the person that you want to be me to become and infuse our life, our relationship, our marriage with the Holy Spirit, with your grace to lead us closer to you in all that we do. Uh, And so I mentioned that Eric and I, we do natural family planning, which is a way that we kind of talk about fertility and plan um, when we're going to um, have children and things like that. And so um, in, in natural family planning, they teach you basically there are times that you can be uh, can practice chastity if you feel that it's not prudent to plan to have another child, but you're still exercising your marital vows. 
Um, or you can say that, oh, we don't need to practice chastity because we're open and ready to have a child, you know, and it's always open to life. So, if you, you know, it's not foolproof. And so if, you know, you do end up conceiving, you have that baby, you know, so that's just how it works. But what they teach you in natural family planning is when you are choosing to be chaste, there are other ways that you can be intimate and other ways you can express affection for one another. And it's an acronym called SPICE. And so we want to talk about SPICE a little bit and go into each one and how we can practice um, spirituality, how we can grow together spiritually and um, fruitfully as a couple in each one of these five areas. So SPICE stands for um, different ways of connecting. Spiritual, P is physical, I is intellectual, C is communicative, and E is emotional. And so obviously spiritual is the obvious one. So how can we connect spiritually? Oh, me first? Okay, so this is my best one, I think. (laughs) It might go downhill from here. (laughs) But one thing I was thinking about since we've been stuck in this house together for like four weeks now is um, the different ways in which we encounter God. And I think it's important for people to, especially when they're married, to encourage one another to... Um, pursue the way that they like to pursue God in the way that they want to pursue God Mm -hmm. um, and encourage them in that. So like, for example, like I very much like being outside and in nature. That is where I find God the most. And I think it's important for you to know that and thus encourage Mm -hmm. that part. Whereas I know you like the intellectual stuff and that's good for you. Mm -hmm. But if one of us tried to impose the upon the other I think that can be really like damaging so I think it's good to always be aware of the way in which your spouse is in relationship with God yes and you know find ways to help them in that you know yeah yeah your 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 spirituality between your spouse or your partner like if you're engaged or whatever that is uh or you're dating uh it cannot be the only connection you have to God like your personal prayer needs to fuel your collective prayer mm-hmm. and devotion to Jesus. And so you do need to have your own personal devotion. So, But I would say things that you can do spiritually to grow together, obviously pray together, um, pray together often, at least pray together out loud once a day. You know, if that's something that's a stretch for you, maybe you don't pray together at all. Um, just to like, okay, at the end of the day, like um, what what happened today? What do we want to ask God, you know, to pray, to bless and, and what do we need? Um, and that can be something as simple as that, just sharing your intentions and praying together or offering in our father. Um, but I think beyond that, I think being able to talk about your relationship with God, kind of like we know, I wouldn't know that as well as I do about you. Had we not had many conversations about it, I can't just like infer that or just guess like, I think, I think Erica likes Jesus this way. And so I'm just going to act, you know, like, (laughs) no, I know that because of conversations that we've had. Right. And, you know, and so. Basically, to be able to have simple conversations, and we'll give you questions, a really great conversation that you can have every week um, to really check in on all of these areas. Um, But I think that's something we need to be talking about. Where are you at in your relationship with Jesus? To be able to say, like, how are you doing in your prayer? Like, Mm -hmm. how are you doing with this whole quarantine? Like, how are you doing not being able to go outside that frequently? You know, yeah, like, but to have that conversation and (laughs) know that I hear you and I can encourage you and find ways that that can happen in a different way, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. here's a picture of outside no i'm just kidding thanks um <laughs> that would make it worse <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Um, you can also incorporate this into date nights. So yeah. let's say like you want to go to dinner in a movie. Maybe start that dinner in a movie by stopping off at chapel, you know, or going to confession or starting an afternoon hike with daily mass or um, learning how to pray the rosary together and going on a walk and doing that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe looking at the readings for the upcoming Sunday for mass together because hopefully you get to go to mass together, you know, doing that on the weekends, trying to get to mass together. Uh, or maybe when you have some downtime, uh, when you're quarantined, if you're, you know, if you're married, you live together, uh, put EWTN on for a little bit and just discuss what's on or participate yeah. in it or listen to a religious podcast like this one or uh, <laughs> worship music in the car and just let that drive your conversation. And when it's over to be able to say like, what'd you think of that episode? Or I really love that song. Why did I love it? You know, and just allow the spiritual aspect of who you are to just become part of your daily conversation. Just like you would talk about other things that you like, like physical foods that you like, places, experiences, what, how you're feeling emotionally, like let this just be another avenue of your conversation. So that's spiritual. Anything to add? No. Okay, that's cool. good. Um, physical. So I want to caveat this by saying like this, this type of um, mentality when they teach it to you in natural family planning is assuming that you are operating in chastity in this moment. And so this doesn't just mean that um, you connect by having sex. You know, that's not just what physical means. However, that can be a very spiritual endeavor for people and it's how they connect and chemically you connect and it's part of the fruitfulness and the commitment of our marriage covenant to do that. And so that is part of it. Um, but when they talk about it in NFP, um, they also talk about like having conversations about that and finding other ways to be physically intimate um, that are sweet, like cuddling, um, like being in close proximity to each other, um, you know, holding hands, you know, I don't know, snuggling up against each other, mm -hmm. things like that. And I think part of it is also having conversations about your physical relationship, because if your physical sexual relationship is an extension of your marriage as a sacrament, there's a spiritual element to it. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a two becoming one flesh that is being renewed over and over and over again every time that happens. And so that should be something that is a highlight, a climactic moment, an enjoyable moment, the apex moment of your marriage. And you have a whole lifetime to learn how to do that better together. And so have conversations about that. Like what are what are you enjoying about our physical relationship? What can be better about it? Um, how can we love another better? Uh, love one another better. And now this isn't an avenue for us to just start like diving into all these weird fantasies or things we want to try out <laughs> that really aren't in line with church teaching. But it's about like illuminating like, no, we want this. We want this to be a fruitful part of our relationship and not a cause of stress or displeasure, but a real avenue to encounter each other spiritually in mm -hmm. our most vulnerable and most loving sense. So... Do you have anything to add to the physical? Well, mine's super lame. No, sure. <laughs> no, because I've been thinking about, I, because I am probably blushing because I don't like talking. I'm, I don't know. I'm like a 14-year-old boy when we talk about things yeah, like this. Yeah, you just this. giggle. So um, <laughs> I didn't, I couldn't talk about that. But I was thinking about how in the past year we've, re we gave up sugar and we've just been like really conscious about our bodies and our mm -hmm. health. And I think like that aspect of the physical is also mm. spiritual, sure. right? Because I think before when we were downing, you know, four cartons of Telemook ice cream in a week, you know, we don't talk about that time in our lives. <laughs> that was a beautiful time in life. But at the same time, I think that affected 
at least me spiritually, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm feeling gross. I like am not healthy. Mm-hmm. And now I feel so much different. And our bodies are um, like where God dwells. And we should, yeah. you know, help one another have the best house that God could live in physically. Yeah. That's awesome. I didn't even think about that. Oh, so that's God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like sweating. (laughs) But no, you're right. Like we are a mind, body, and a soul and like all that's intertwined and connected. And so one affects the other. Mm -hmm. And so if your body is unhealthy, if you're physically not well or you're physically feeling gross or strained or not, like you're getting, uh, you're being active or feeling really revitalized, whether that's because of exercise, um, an illness, uh, food, nutrition, whatever it is. That's something that you can do for your own personal benefit or also to encourage each other Mm -hmm. to be good stewards of your bodies so your bodies continue to be um, healthy so you're spiritually healthy and that you can, you know, collectively have that better emotional positivity and um, and just physical health to be able to do spiritual things and be positive and stuff. Because, you know, I'm sure you noticed what I've noticed since we've been doing that. We're a lot less like emotionally volatile, we're a lot less moody, we're a lot less groggy and grumpy, and we're just overall a lot more positive. Speaking primarily about myself, because you pretty much were always kind of positive before, at least like peppy, you know, but maybe, maybe that was more internal for you. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that did, that was all true until I got pregnant and then it just, (laughs) the hormones just have been nuts. Um, But, you know, kind of linking the two, I think also when you're physically feeling gross, you don't want to have like sexy time because you're like, I'm not cute right now. Yeah. Even though your spouse doesn't probably think about that. Yeah. And that can affect like, okay, well, why does that, if you're not communicating about it, you can take it personally and you can say, well, why doesn't my my wife or my husband want to, you know, have sex, want to do this? Uh, Is there something wrong with me? And you can internalize it and that can evolve into bitterness, resentment, anger, or manifesting those desires in a different, more destructive way, like turning to something pornography Mm -hmm. or, you know, something that is is destructive. And so um, just being aware of those things and that that is an avenue where we can spiritually connect because we are a body and soul combined. Um, the next I of spice is intellectual. Um, and that, you know, we have different interests and those interests are linked to things that we're passionate about, which have to do with our gifts and talents, which came aroused in us from the Holy spirit. That was the wrong verb to use, but, um, you know, that those things have a very deep spiritual, uh, experience for us. You know, like we, when we, like, for instance, me being a musician and having synesthesia, like, when I experience music and write music and play music, it's a spiritual experience, no mm-hmm. matter the type of music, you know, and I'm sure you can say the same thing about writing and the different things that are passionate for you. And so sharing that intellectual part of your relationship also has a deep spiritual um, root. And so what are some ways you think we can do that? I think, um, and I think we do this quite well. I think I is one of our stronger points because mm-hmm. we're both we both like that. But I think genuinely trying to understand why the other person is passionate about it, mm-hmm. and you don't have to love it. Like for example, you love magic, and I love that you love magic. I love close up street magic to be specific. <laughs> okay, I don't like like look at the bunny out of the hat magic. But so. you would. No, um, <laughs> I'm talking real magic. Not like a loser magic. <laughs> loser magic. <laughs> I'm just no. kidding. Uh, 
we'll tell Hannah that when she tries that <laughs> trick. Um, but what I mean is like, I never am like, I really want to learn some magic tricks today. <laughs> I've never had that thought, but I know you do. Yeah. And so kind of being with you in that journey and mm-hmm. encouraging you in that, just as I'm sure you've never, ever been excited about the British monarchy. Correct. And you probably still aren't. Even 10 years later, you no, probably still I don't I still care. want to revolt and throw tea in the harbor or whatever. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but you will listen to me ramble about it. I will. And pretend you care. Yeah. And that's all I need. But while you're doing it, I'm drinking iced tea and it's kind of like a little <laughs> nod to like the tea's in the water still, babe. Wow. <laughs> we are a home divided. Oh, that's too funny. But I think uh, a way you can do this, like how do you um, pursue that is maybe... Take turns planning dates that are based on your own interests. Because if I'm really interested, like if I really love you and I'm really interested in getting to know you and what you're passionate about, if you were to plan a date where you got to totally nerd out and I just got to watch that, that Mm. would be a really cool invitation into like a more vulnerable, a deeper side of you that really brought out like who you truly were and what you're passionate about. And I got to be with you in that and that would be really meaningful, you know? And so I think like that sounds kind of selfish, like, oh, I'm going to plan a date that is like the most ideal day for me. But I think if you were to do that and invite your spouse into that, if they really love you and care about you, they would be so excited to see you come alive right. at these things that you were so just thrilled to do and experience with them. And I would be super excited to bring you into the world of some of those things that I really love, you know, and tell you why and talk to you about it, you know. And so I think mm. this is also a really great avenue if like maybe you're really connected with someone, but for some reason you maybe just don't like conversation can sometimes be awkward or you don't really know what to talk about or you don't have a lot of shared interests. Um, Your shared interest is each other. Mm. Like your shared interest should always be the marriage and growing together as best you can. And so that's the only shared interest you need. And so anything that fuels that, a love for the other and what the other loves, then that is going to make your marriage stronger. And so as long as you're open to that with the other person and you're enjoying, you know, learning and enjoying and learning those um, those things together, um, that's something that you can do. And then there's also um, looking at something that neither of you are skilled at or maybe know how to do yet mm-hmm. and seeing if you might collectively learn a new skill together, learn a new hobby, a new passion, a new sport together, um, you know, and just experience that like completely unequipped and inexperienced both of you and just go and like take a class or go and like do something that neither of you is really good. I see, I see the, I see the (laughs) wheels turning in your, in your mind. My first thought was surfing. We should try surfing. No, what your first thought was, was what is something that we can do that I can actually beat Matt at? <laughs> that was my first I know. Thought. I saw it happen in your eyes. You, your competitive eye came out and I was like, I know exactly what she's thinking. That's why I picked something athletic because that is usually something I'm yeah. better at than Yeah. You. Even though I can physically do it now, I just don't want to. So. Right. <laughs> But I will because I love you. Well, so that's the whole point. All right. So <laughs> S is spiritual, P is physical, I is intellectual, and C is communicative. Um, and so having conversations, um, this is linked to, I think, a lot of the other ones. But um, it also has some specific ways that we can uh, grow together spiritually in this way. Because if you're not talking, especially not talking <laughs> meanif- meaningfully, yeah. um, there's no real way that you can just grow spiritually. If you're just being spiritual in the same physical location, like, well, we go to mass together every Sunday, but yeah, if it's not coming alive for you and you're not talking about like, who is Jesus to you and what does that really mean to you? Then that's really not part of your marriage. It's just Mm -hmm. something that you both happen to be physically at at the same time. So 
Um, you know, by in that same sense, uh, we worship the kitchen because we're both there often, you know, like that's, sure. but if it's like, okay, well, why do you love being that? Why do you love food? Why do you love cooking? Then we have a conversation and that brings about a new love or a new passion, you know? So there's a mm-hmm. difference there. So conversation is what fuels that real spiritual connection to happen. And it's not just about doing things together, even though those things can help, but it's about talking about them and processing them. So what do you have for communicative? Well, something we've done forever, and I don't think we ever miss it, is like a daily check-in at night Mm -hmm. where we always talk about either the day, if we haven't seen each other all day, or what tomorrow looks like or the week ahead or what we need prayers for or like... You know, and I've always appreciated that even if like one of us is away out of town or whatever, we still have that five minute phone call of like, hey, how's your day? What's going on? Yeah. Love you. Bye. Yeah. You know, and I think that's really good to have. Yeah. And that's commonly the time we pray together too. Yes. You know, so it's. It's totally fine to encapsulate a lot of these together. Like if every Mm -hmm. evening, maybe if you don't have kids, if every evening you went out for a walk together and you know, um, on while you're going out to your destination maybe you like prayed a rosary or something and then on your way back you had a conversation or vice versa have a conversation mm-hmm. on the way out and then pray for your intentions on the way back that's super cool you're getting your physical in your spiritual your communicative like you're doing all of it so this doesn't have to be like you don't have to schedule a holy hour with your spouse <laughs> every day you know um these are just all suggestions you don't have to do all of them but if you find in one particular area you really need some improvement mm-hmm. these are just practical things that you can try um, that might help well, and I feel like if we ever miss a day, which I really can't think of a day we've missed not talking about it, it just feels off to me, you mm-hmm. know, like where we don't share about our day or what's Well, we have, out. but then we've made up for it like the next day. That's You know, true. like if we couldn't connect because I was away to conference and then I was yeah. at something, you know, at the time we commonly would do it. And I, you know, am a night owl, so you go to bed earlier, and so we just didn't get a chance to connect. That's at least, a nice way to say or I, that. when I did call you, you were like waiting up for me, but it was just like, all right, it's yeah. good to hear voices, pray <laughs> Hail Mary, and that's it, you know. Right. So, but yeah, you're right. It does feel a little off, but then we're, when we're able to finally reconnect, or when I come back from that conference and I tell you all the details about all the days yes, I was you gone, do. we have a nice long conversation. You yeah. Know? So anyway, that's super important. So. Um, my advice would be put your screens down. Like when you're at dinner, when you're sitting down for that time, like just put away distractions, turn the TV off, put the screens down Mm -hmm. and have a set time Mm -hmm. to check in with each other. Maybe it's over dinner, you know, um, hopefully you're talking over dinner. Hopefully if you have a meal together, you're not just like gorging your food and talking about nothing and sitting on your phone, you know, kill two birds with one stone, eat and talk together. Um, you know, close your mouth when you're chewing, but you know, like... And it doesn't have to be that complex. Just like talk about what happened in your life today. What are you worried about? What are you excited about? What's coming up tomorrow? What do you have going on this week? And just have that check-in. Or you can do it at night. You can pray together. You can talk about what's going on the next day. Um, Or you can do it in the morning and you can have kind of like little um, just nuggets to share in the morning about like, oh, what's going on today? Um, you know, what do we need to be aware of? You know, especially if you have a lot of kids, this is really important. Or like if you have a really crazy, uh, schedule where you tend to be all over the place, like, okay, who's picking up who from here? And just having that opportunity to connect and just recognize like, okay, we've got each other. We have a game plan for the day. We love each other. Like, let's go do this and be positive and joyful today. All of that I think is super important. And I think making it practical, like for us, like 
to say like, okay, we'll do a rosary every day and then we'll do like this chaplet and then we'll pray like this and then we'll, that is just not going to happen in our lives, right? Like, (laughs) and we would fail at that very quickly. So finding what's practical for you in your situation, Yeah, you know? Um, and I think we also have, you know, we have a young daughter who's just learning like the sign of the cross. Like she's not even like, you know, like (laughs) conceive it is really precious. Um, but like eventually when we have like multiple young kids who are able to understand, we might have like a weekly decade of the rosary together. So they learn it or, and then that maybe will evolve into a rosary and different traditions that we can, you know, because then it's no longer just about Eric and I, it's about our family. And then the way we talk about these things, the way that we spiritually, physically, intellectually, communicatively connect with our children or together as a family is going to evolve because Mm -hmm. of that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's an important thing to remember too. So um, that is C, communicative. So E, the final one is emotional. How do we connect emotionally? This is the hardest one for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I was reading Henry Nouwen. Is that how you say his name? His book today, Return of the Prodigal Son. And two things stood out to me, um, listening and receiving. And I have a, like a quick quote. He said, I knew I would never be able to live the great commandment of love without allowing myself to be loved without conditions or prerequisites. Mm. And I feel like you have to be willing to listen to one another. And I think at least I'm good at listening, but I'm very bad at receiving things emotionally Mm -hmm. whether they're good or bad i just instantly like shut down Mm -hmm. and so i think that's really important especially when you're married you have to be willing to like listen to the other person but and and receive kind of whatever feedback they're providing for you yeah yeah this i think can be a really difficult area for a lot of people i mean it's linked to communicative but i think a lot of the struggles people have when they say that communication is really important in marriage have to do with how you communicate about how you're feeling yes and your emotional state and so um i'm a very direct and honest person like i don't bottle things up i don't lie like i don't i'm not saying that you do but i don't like um i don't like um beat around the bush like i say what i'm feeling and i'm say what i'm thinking Because I think if everybody did that, the world would be a better place. And people would stop being offended and they would just hear the truth and react to it how they're supposed to. I know I'm I'm not you. You know, I know I'm I'm weird in doing that. And people (laughs) tend to be more likely tend to be the opposite where they don't want to hurt someone's feelings or, you know, um, be direct because they're afraid of how it will it will look. And so I want to encourage you to find a way, especially in your marriage. Gosh, like if you can't be honest in your marriage mm-hmm. and vocal about what you're feeling, like there's a real obstacle to um, to joy and to um, fruitfulness in your marriage from happening. Uh, and, you know, you need to be able to find a way to say what you're feeling and express what you're feeling. And if that means that you need to go to marriage and family therapy, mm-hmm. do it. Go to it before you need it. You know, yeah. go to it before it's like you're trying to rebuild something that's fallen apart. And I would highly recommend that. I think like at, it's healthy for every single human on the planet to at some point in their life go to therapy. Like because you need an outside perspective and there is no reasonable person who would ever assume that there's a single person on this planet that's completely mentally healthy for their entire life. Right. You know, like we all go through periods where we need an outside perspective, some educated encouragement mm-hmm. and insight into what we're feeling and how to express it. Um, and so try to be honest, try to be direct uh, and recognize when the other person is speaking 
uh, about something that they're feeling or something that they're going through that they're speaking out of love and they want um, and we want people to listen to us out of love like mm-hmm. never uh, never assume that the other person is attacking you and never express what you are feeling emotionally as an attack on the other person um, so they say this in like communication is about using I statements like I feel this because not you did this to me or you made me feel those are very accusatory statements that we want to avoid because if we really believe that this person is the person that we love, the person that we're married to, that we're supposed to be with, we have to bank on the fact that they desire for us to have, they desire to love us. Like they, mm-hmm. everything that they're doing is out of love for us. Now, I know that's unfortunately not always the case in marriages, but I think in most decently normal and healthy marriages, we have to kind of assume that. And when we assume the opposite, that the other person is like trying to destroy us or they did this thing on purpose because they were just trying to get under our skin, that's really where damaging you know, emotional chasms can develop between two people. Mm-hmm. And when bitterness and resentment can come in to where you really, you know, maybe you need therapy, but it's maybe even too late. And so um, try to always speak out of love and recognize the other person loves you and they're going to hear it with love. And if you're receiving something, try to receive it from love and recognize this person loves me. And so they're not saying that I did something bad. And even if they are trying to shed light on something that is difficult in the marriage, the only reason they're bringing it up is because they want it to be better. They want to, yeah. we, they want more love and more connection in the marriage. They're not trying to make me feel terrible. If they are, if they're being manipulative and verbally abusive, then that's something different. And then you yeah. need to address that, you know, and, and determine if that's a healthy situation for you to be in or not. However, never rephrase, phrase these things or receive them as attacks. Yeah. Um, try to always um, look for the intention and not the action. Don't look at what the words, um, you, what you can infer from the words, but assume that the words are being expressed out of a desire for reconciliation and love and respond to them in a way that's going to build that bridge of reconciliation and love in your marriage. Um don't assume that like um, it needs to be earned like that emotional kind of like that quote you were saying or that mm-hmm. there's a prerequisite to being heard or being loved and you have to behave a certain way or be in a certain mood right. um, in order for that to happen. Anything to add? I was just going to say I often find that my level of vulnerability with you mirrors my level of vulnerability with God. So where if sometimes if I'm just like, no, I'm fine, it's good, it's great. Then in my prayer life, I'm like, thank you, God, it was a great day. Even though inside I'm like crying. Yeah. Um, but when I'm open and honest with you, then I find it's a lot easier to be open and honest with God, which I know probably doesn't really make sense, but yeah. No, I think it just, it's reciprocal. It's about yeah. how we ex- how we are expressing ourselves to the people who love us most. Right. You know? And just being afraid of like being rejected from... <clears throat> sure. That, yeah, the two beings that love me the most, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. Yeah, and that's really illuminating as to how, you know, growing spiritually has that emotional element. Like, you have mm-hmm. to be willing to recognize that our spiritual life embodies all of who we are. It's not just the things that we do on Sunday, but it's our whole human body and experience, which has to do with the physicality of our body, the intellectuality of our mind, the communication that we have with other people in the way that we've been given reason and the ability to communicate and then the emotions that we experience in that body. All of that has a spiritual element and all of it can help us practically in our relationship with our spouse or our significant other. And so Mm -hmm. I want to share with you, I'm going to try and put this in the show notes. Um, It's a model conversation that you can have maybe once a week over a long dinner date 
or um, you know a check-in time just once a week. You wouldn't do this every day, or if you would, it'd be an abridged version um, because it can end up being a longer um, conversation, or you can break up each one of these little pieces and do it on a different night. Um, so this is a spice conversation. Um, and so they're a little bit out of order and there's a purpose to that. So first you start with physical um, and you do that by, you know, holding hands or something like that. I don't know why I just reached for your hand because nobody can see us, but I wanted to hold your hand. That's sweet. Um, but what you do physically is you, you know, find a way to physically connect, um, get phys- close in physical proximity to each other or, you know, hey, begin with some fun, sexy time, okay. you know, whatever. So <laughs> who knows? Um, but have an opportunity where you are able to renew your vows. And so that is either physically and, uh, depending on on the physical manifestation of it, but also finding a way to express your love and commitment to one another. Uh, And so you start there and then you uh, share, how was your spouse incredible this past week? And what is something specific that your spouse did to make you feel loved, honored, appreciated, or respected? And so you start there. You start with that physical connection and how you're connecting that way. Because if you do that, it's going to illuminate the rest of the conversation to be more positive and oriented toward love and the proper goal instead of like, all right, here's my opportunity to say everything that I didn't get to say and all the things I'm mad about and that I've been holding on to. You know, you want to start with that because that really is something that brings fruitfulness not only in the form of life like physical life but any type of physical connection brings forth forth spiritual fruitfulness in your marriage and so um, have those physical conversations i also want to give a shout out to jordan and jonathan and their son noah because a lot of this conversation model came from something that jordan sent me so shout out to you guys um, because i know they listen periodically so anyways that's physical then you move into spiritual how is your prayer life and your relationship with jesus how are you doing with that Um, what have you been focused on in prayer? What have you been, uh, leaning toward or receiving, uh, in prayer? What are some obstacles or challenges to prayer that you've been facing? What are some stumbling blocks or temptations that have been hindering you spiritually? What are you struggling with? This is a real opportunity to be vulnerable. I've met so many people in my work in ministry who are married and struggling with a deep rooted habitual sin that their spouse does not know about. Hmm. And it, it cannot be healed until you bring that to the light, you know? Um, And I just think, you know, we've had that experience when I brought things to light for you and was able to share and be vulnerable to you very early on in our marriage. And the only reason I think that that is no longer an issue is that we were able to face that together and support each other through that. And so um, having an opportunity where you can be vulnerable and connect in that way. Mm -hmm. Then move to intellectually. And this is just a simple question. What have you been enjoying or stimulated by this week? You know, what have you been enjoying reading, watching? Did you see an article? Something like, you and I have lots of conversations like this <laughs> all the time, like every day. Like, oh, I saw something really interesting the other day on the YouTubes or whatever, you know. So we do not say that. I, okay. Um, and then <laughs> the next one, I combined communicative and emotional because I think mm. they're really um, closely linked. And this whole thing is really an exercise in communicative love. But um, yeah, so emotional uh, and communicative. What are some challenges you may be facing, like at work, in your family, in your other friendships or relationships? Are there any is it, are there any issues, frustrations, or disagreements we need to talk through? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that happened? Anything that we really need to just kind of settle or apologize for? Um, and then, how do you desire to be loved by your spouse? 
Now this is a question maybe you don't always ask every single time, but it's a question I think you need to ask immediately. Like how do you, how can I love you better as your spouse? Or how do you desire to be loved? And this has to do with love languages. This has to do with how we express and receive love differently than our spouses. And very rarely do two people share those same ways of expressing and receiving love. We are the opposite. Yes. Of so. lo- in our love languages. Yeah. So, so we need yes. to be aware of that or else we're always going to feel like we're pouring out into the other person mm-hmm. and they're not appreciating it. And then we're going to feel like we're not receiving anything that we really want in return. Mm-hmm. And that can feel really frustrating. Well, I think we've had a lot of conversations about that throughout the years. Yes. I think yeah. that's been really helpful. But this is one of those things that's super illuminating for friendships too because I've had conversations with friends like this Jen and I have had conversations like this about how can we be better friends to each other and been illuminated as to like what we really appreciate about the love and the time that we share with Mm -hmm. each other as friends um, that we that kind of illuminated each other's misconceptions you know and I've had that with a lot of other friendships too but that is you know a a prime example and then practically you should also talk about things like planning and budget Uh, I love this part. This was in the the thing that Jordan sent me. And I loved this part of the conversation because, you know, a lot of people don't talk about this. And so where are we at with money? Yeah. Where do we want to be? What can we be doing differently? Do we need to um, tighten the budget? You know, are there any things coming up that we need to prepare for? Things like that. How are we using what we have to serve others? What is going on in the next week? And what needs to be done that isn't already scheduled in our week? Those are the practicalities that help like frustrations and roadblocks and mishaps from happening so that you don't have these spiritual roadblocks later on and get super like irritated that so-and-so didn't do this. Well, maybe they didn't know or maybe they thought you were going to do it, you know? So I'll put that sample conversation in the show notes. But I think even if you have like a friendship or, um, you know, a family member that you really aren't connecting with, you can adapt this conversation so easily Yeah, because, you know... Physically, obviously, you're not going to renew your vows, but you might express your love for that other person and your appreciation for them. Um, How were they incredible? What is something specific that they did that just made you feel special? Like all those different things you can do in a lot of friendships, you know, depending on the friendship. So adapt this. And then when you get into like planning and budget, obviously, you're not going to get, you know, into that with a different type of of friend or maybe a family member, depending on your family dynamic and, and what your living situation is. But um, and if you have practicalities, like you're actually helping each other plan things throughout the week and, you know, needing to be together. But also, you know, the planning for a friend might be like, hey, what's your week look like? When can we get together? Yeah. And like I because, you know, to to feel like our friendship is really connected and consistent. I feel like I need to see you face to face once every week, you know. And so when can we do that this week? Being able to express that. So that is a spice conversation that can help illuminate a lot of these different areas that you can have in pieces or all together at once. And that I recommend you have in all of its pieces once a week when you have the opportunity to connect. And so you could do a section in just like five or 10 minutes at night, or you can do the whole thing in a nice long like date night conversation. Um, and you know, that's your, your conversation. So, and it changes every week, you know, you're asking the same questions, but you know, we're not the same every single week. And you know, we're definitely not the same as we were when we first got married, you know. But um, so this conversation is really helpful. And when we've done it, I know that we've really like appreciated it. And I think it could have gone on even longer. And we just really enjoyed it, spending that time together. So um, yeah, pray together for God's plans to be your plans to recognize like everything is a gift and uh, and thanksgiving for one another and, you know, offer up any petitions. And so that's how you can end this conversation. You can end by praying together, uh, actually praying out loud for each other and over each other. Mm-hmm. That's something that I think is really connected to the spiritual. I think I mentioned it, praying together, but actually like 
no, blessing each other with holy water or when someone's having a really hard emotional day, just saying like, all right, Jesus, come into this, like just going right into prayer mm-hmm. and being comfortable doing that. And for both of you, not just me as the man who's, you know, the quote unquote spiritual head of the house, but Erica knowing that she can just be like, you know what, we should pray. And then to do that, because I'm not always going to be with it spiritually in the moment, especially when I'm feeling overcome or overwhelmed. You know, I need to lean on um, my spouse. Well, actually, collectively, we need to lean on Jesus. And then when we're leaning away and leaning on our worry, we need to just kind of reach over and teeter them back in the other direction Mm -hmm. lovingly. Mm -hmm. And so that's the image. Anything to add before we get into our awesome saint? I don't think so. I think I think once you like get into the routine of talking to one another, that conversation just happens naturally. Yeah. You know? So I don't think we sit down and, and have those conversations, but we definitely talk about those things. I think Yeah, we don't lot. sit down with this list, but we yeah. have all these conversations throughout the week. Yes. And that's, you know, part of it was because we got that rubric from... Um, from Jordan. And so we've actually sat down and had that version. And then Mm -hmm. I kind of added to it and sectioned it out based on stuff that has worked for us. Yeah. And I know has worked for other couples. And so I think super important way that we can be connecting and recognizing like our spiritual life is beyond, far beyond just, you know, are we praying the rosary together? Yeah. Or are we talking about Jesus together? Those things are so important, but our spirituality is connected to every part of us. Mm-hmm. And we need to be illuminating that and having an opportunity to connect in that way. And then when we do, we root it all back in prayer and in yeah. Jesus. That's really, I think, the healthiest way. So it's not this overcomplicated like, oh, once you do a 54-day rosary novena together, then your relationship is going to be great. You know, it's just like... So <laughs> not, that's, don't interpret wow. that as like my attitude toward the rosary or novenas, but like that type of rubric mentality. And like if we just do the thing, if we just go to mass together, it will happen is not, you know, going to happen because thousands of couples go to mass together. Yeah. And then once they have kids, one of them stops going or, you know, neither of them really, you know, one of the other of them maybe isn't super passionate about it, but they go out of obligation. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it can even become a cause of like resentment and spite. Like, why do we do this every week? Right. I don't get anything out of it, you know? So creating an avenue for conversations to happen and then rooting them in spirituality, uh, in your relationship with Jesus. So A good example for this, if you need an intercessor, there is a powerful one. Her name is St. Rita of Cassia. Um, She is the patron saint of a lot of things, one of which is marital problems and difficult marriages, but also patroness of abuse, of mothers, of impossible causes, sickness, and wounds. Sounds like everything going on right now in culture. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sickness and wounds leading to impossible causes, leading to quarantine situations where unfortunately maybe marital problems, abuse, things might be happening. Uh, and mother's obviously a staple of the household. And so uh, her feast day is May 22nd. She was born in 1381 and died in 1472. So she lived to be uh, quite old. And she was uh, canonized in 1900 by Pope Leo the 13th. So she was born in Italy to nobles, uh, but her parents were known for their charity. Despite having their uh, noble upbringing or noble status, they were always giving giving, uh, to the poor. And uh, she was baptized as a baby. And the day after her baptism, she was uh, ended up being surrounded in her crib by a swarm of white bees. And they went in and out of her mouth, of her no. baby mouth, without hurting her. And so instead of being alarmed, her family believed that she was marked to be virtuous and devoted by God. And I know what you're thinking. When I saw this, I was like, if we walked into Hannah's room <laughs> and she had bees all over her mouth, I would die. Like, I would not be like, this kid's going to be a saint. I'd be like... 
every, it's all over like what is happening and I'd probably my first instinct would be like get a fire extinguisher or something like that I was that. gonna call a priest for an exorcism or, or that because yeah. that, I feel like I've seen that before oh movie. swarming of like, like infestation or something and, oh my gosh anyway yeah. so yeah that would be pretty terrifying so it's clear that this baby from you know from the moment after her baptism is going to be pretty special. Um, so when she was very young, she asked her parents to let her enter the convent, but she was arranged to be married to mm-hmm. someone who ended up being a very cruel man. His name was Paolo Mancini. Um, and so she became a wife and a mother at 12 years old. No. And yeah, her husband was very violent and had a temper. Um, and he often mistreated Rita verbally and physically abused her. Um, and he was also known to pursue other women. He had many enemies. Um, and he had many enemies in the city that they were in, in Cassia. But eventually her influence over him from probably spice-like conversations um, eventually led him to become a better man. And so he renounced this long-standing family feud. This is very like Romeo and Juliet-esque between his family, the Mancinis, and the Chiquis. I don't know if I'm saying those because that sounds like a Native American Indian tribe and it's Italian. So I'm probably mispronouncing these. But... um, Unfortunately, that feud between those two families, it's continued to grow turbulent. And one of um, Paolo's, the husband's allies, betrayed him and killed him. And so uh, he dies. And then following his death, Rita publicly pardoned the murderers. She forgave them publicly. Um, But her husband's brother, Bernardo, was still super angry. And he encouraged her two now sons named Giovanni and Paolo to join in the feud against this other family. And so they were following their uncle and each of them became more and more like their father, more violent, more temperous, uh, temp- having a temper, whatever that word is. And um, they wanted to avenge their father. And so Rita tried to stop them, but both of her sons were determined to, um, to avenge their father. And so she prayed to God. She asked God to take her sons before they lost their souls to the mortal sin of murder. And one year later, her prayers were answered when they were both killed of dysentery. They both died of dysentery. Oh my On gosh. the Oregon Trail. No, but... <laughs> I was like, really? Where everybody died of dysentery. No, but they died of dysentery. <laughs> and so um, I just thought that was amazing that she saw her two sons dying as prayers answered because she would rather them die and go, them die and go to heaven than live and commit a mortal sin. Yeah. And what a a spiritual foothold to what a domestic church and spiritual grounding looks like in a family. That's why I think she's an awesome example. So her sons die and then she tries to join a monastery, but she wasn't allowed to because of her family's uh, reputation, her husband's reputation. And that family feud was still going on. So she persisted and they said, if she could mend the family feud between these two families or the feud between these two families, she could join. And so she asked for the intercession of John the Baptist Augustine of Hippo, and this random saint I had never heard of named Nicholas of Tolentino, who ended up being super legit when I looked him up. So you should, he's a mystic and... He's cool. Yeah, not very well known. He's basically like the um, uh, pre-Renaissance male version of my wife. And so <laughs> I recommended him to her and she was like, this dude's a homie. So anyways, um, and she uh, prayed for their intercession for the ending of the feud. Then <laughs> the plague hits Europe. And the leader of the Mancini, her husband's family, becomes infected and he abolishes the feud. What? So this, I think Rita prayed for the plague and it happened. Wow, I don't know. But basically, or God brought about goodness from the plague that was happening because God wouldn't bring a plague. Um, But he used it for greater good. So anyways, uh, once that conflict was resolved, she joined the monastery. She was 36. 
And uh, it is said that she was transported into the monastery of St. Mary Magdalene through levitation at nighttime um, by those three patron saints that she prayed to, um, John the Baptist, Augustine, and Nicholas of Tolentino. So this lady is legit. Um, if you want to ask for the intercession of a warrior, find, you find one in St. Rita. Um, so when she finally was at the monastery, she just wanted to be dutiful. She you know, attended the sacraments, did her work. She had a great devotion to the Passion of the Christ. And uh, when she was 60 years old, she asked Jesus in prayer, please let me suffer like you. And a wound appeared on her forehead, like a, th- like a thorn wound from the crown of thorns. Mm. And it was very deep. It did not ever heal. And it caused her to suffer until the day that she died. Uh, oh and gosh. as she ended her life, she uh, began dying from tuberculosis. And so she went and asked, she asked one of her cousins who had come to visit her to go get a rose from the garden in her home. And it was January, middle of winter. And so the cousin was like, okay, I'll go. Uh, she goes to the house, didn't expect to find anything. And she found one single rose blooming in front of their house. And she brought it back to Rita. And then she passed away four months later, May 22nd, which is her feast day uh, in 1457. Um, I think I have her death date wrong. Well, she still lived to be pretty old. So anyways, um, after she was died, she was buried in the Basilica of Cassia. And her later, her body was discovered to be incorrupt. So she's one of those saints whose body has never decayed. And it can be found today um, at the St. Rita Shrine in Cassia. And so this is one of her quotes that I think is very pertinent to this episode. She once said, I'm not afraid to die. I know already what it is to die. It is to close the eyes to the world and open them to God. And that's such a great model for marriage. We close our eyes to the world and we open them to God with, in partnership for the whole of life, this other person. And so if you're having difficulty in this area or you're praying for discernment about your vocation, you're having difficulty in a relationship, in being vulnerable, in communicating, in practicing the values of spice, spiritual, physical, intellectual, communicative, and emotional connection with somebody else, uh, or just having difficulties in your marriage during this quarantine time and feeling just really irritated, Pray for the intercession, the intercession of Saint Rita, and she is a mystic powerhouse for sure. With many miracles, she's like the female Padre Pio, but I we don't like talk her. about her nearly as much. Uh, maybe because she didn't live as recently as Padre Pio did, but she basically had a lot of the same experiences mm. and um, really incredible saint. So Saint Rita, pray for us. Saint Charles Borromeo, our podcast patron saint, pray for us. And we know this podcast was longer, so thank you for hanging in there and listening. We hope this was a benefit to you. Please encourage other people to listen, share it with them, and leave a rating or a review on this podcast wherever you listen to it. The highest compliment you can pay to us is to share this podcast with your friends and family or on social media. That means the world to us. So please tag us when you do that on Instagram, at Man of Food for Thought. And you can check out everything that we've done, our backlog of episodes on our website, Man of Food for Thought. Dot com. On that homepage, you can also see an opportunity to click on a Patreon tab, and that will take you to our Patreon account where you can support us financially for as little as $1 a month. It does cost money to host this podcast on our site and do different things um, and continue to plan on releasing our merchandise with our newly designed logo, which we did pay for with those patron-raised funds, and so cool. we appreciate that. So even though that's slow going, it is coming, <laughs> and we appreciate all of our patrons Uh, And you'll get a shout out and you'll get special merch and things sent to you when you do that. So, you know, for as little as a dollar a month, it seems like a good deal. So if this podcast has made a difference, has meant anything to you, and you feel so inclined and you are financially able, uh, please give what you can. Otherwise, do us the highest honor, higher uh, above that, and share this with someone that you think could benefit from it. So that's it. Until next time, now that we're praying for you. Any final words, Erica? Nope. I don't know. (laughs)
So we will see you eventually, but now digitally for now in the Eucharist. God bless you. Bye.